we're starting a series called Moving Day, and I need to, um, I need to do this. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 9. You can go ahead and start turning there. And I need to give you a quick uh, a warning. I need to kick the message off with a warning and a picture. The warning is I'm going to show you some pictures. So let me set it up. They're disturbing, okay? Just, I'm just warning you. Uh, a couple years back, maybe 10 years ago, um, I, I love, don't you love when you research things on the internet, on the, the wonderful World Wide Web and internet, and you find things, and you're like, this is gold, right? This is, I can use this for the rest of my life. I found something when I was youth pastoring, and I've used it before. I'm using it now. I might use it again next week. It's just, it's amazing. It's just one of those things where you're like, did somebody really do this, and did somebody really put this on the internet so I could use it forever? Yes. So I know these are horrible pictures because these came out, um, they're really like, they're like 240s and they're blown up because this was back when they didn't have the cameras we have today. So let me just explain. You, you are looking at a pack of meat. There was a man and he had this brilliant idea and here was the idea. What would happen if I bought some meat and put it on a plate and hid it in my neighbor's yard? That was his thought. And so what he, he, he thought, one, how long would that meat last and two, how long would it take my neighbor to smell it? And three, how long would it take my neighbor to find it? I love people like this. As long as they don't live next to me, right? So he went out and he bought um, steak and he bought ground beef and he bought hot dogs, okay? And I'm not going to show you all the pictures, but this is one quick example I'll show you. You can see there's some, there's some, he went back every day and took a picture and he would document on the web Literally, go home today and go to Google and just type in stinky meat, and you will see this. Um, just kind of hold it right there for just one second. So um, this is, we're jumping way ahead. I think it took 19 days before the neighbor found it and then found him. Right? That was the end of the experiment. Um, but what happens over time, I want to point out one thing. The hot dogs, how many of you like hot dogs? Well, I'm sorry, you did like hot dogs. The hot dogs are relatively still forming, like they look like hot dogs. The other two meats are starting to change a little bit. And as he went back, he, one of his questions was, he would post pictures every night, and then he would ask people on the Internet, are those maggots? Are those maggots? Like, are, what are those? And I think we had the last picture. We just jumped straight to the end. Now, um, follow me with the camera, because I'm going to walk over here. I want you to see this. This, by the way, this right here, that's just that red thing that's under the meat. You know, like you have the red foam, and then you've got the thing that absorbs the blood or whatever. That's what that is. So the meat's actually so bad it's trying to slide off that thing. Stinky meat, right? Um, so why am I showing you that? Just because I thought it'd be fun. I felt like I should call you to a fast. Yeah. How many of you were vegetarians when you came to church this morning? How many of you are now? Oh, good, good. My work here is done. Um, <laughs> Two things. One, you're skipping lunch. And I want you to see the negative effects of just sitting still. The negative effects of just sitting still. Preteens, teens, look at me. Preteens and teens, look at me. A little life coaching for you right now. Are you looking? Are you listening? Things don't get better when they sit still. Okay? Just don't, don't see how long you can go without showering. Don't see how long you can go without making your bed. Things don't get better just sitting still, okay? You will never, I'm still talking to the teens and preteens. I don't have time for the adults if you haven't learned this lesson. Pre teens and preteens, if you don't get this lesson, you will not marry. You will be single the rest of your life and not by choice, right? You're like, why can't I find a man? Because you smell really, really bad. 
You don't shower, okay? Um, let your hair go. Don't shampoo your hair. Just leave it. All natural. And you'll be like, you can, you can like put grease in the pan from your hair when you do eggs, right? It's disgusting. Why would I even say that? Even DirecTV gets this. I love, um, I'm not pushing DirecTV, okay? Um, you know, do whatever you want for your entertainment dollars. But DirecTV has this great ad campaign going right now, like don't be a settler, right? You seen the settler campaign? I love that. We're, we're settlers, <laughs> you know. You get to have a lick of the family lollipop, right? I love these commercials. They're like, don't settle. Don't be a settler. Upgrade to DirecTV, right? Don't settle, man. We settle for so many things. We don't want to settle. This morning, I want you to see in this passage of Scripture, God does not want us to settle. Numbers, chapter 9. We're going to find that God actually has a plan. He so doesn't want settlers that he has a plan to make sure that we won't settle. And guess what the plan is? Everybody say what? The plan is moving. Like that's your big idea right up front, okay? You, I gave you blanks on your sheet today because I'm nice like that. I give you blanks to fill out, and the blank under the big idea is moving keeps us from settling. Moving keeps us from settling. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 9, 15 through 23. I'm going to read it, and um, we're just going to make four quick points, okay? On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony was set up, the cloud covered it. From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. Now, um, I, I know I could take like the whole morning and just do that background there, so I, I can't. All right? So let me just tell you, the, the people of Israel were portable. They had been slaves in Egypt. God had brought them out of Egypt. And as he was leading them from where they had been to where they were eventually going to be, he had this thing called the tent of meeting in the tabernacle. And so um, it was like camping times a million, right? They would have to set this whole thing up, and then they would have their little tents and their tribes all around it, and there were two million people. So this is a big, big deal, okay? And so when you looked towards where the tabernacle was, towards where that tent was, you would see, like, above it was a cloud. In the daytime, it was a cloud. And then at night, that cloud would turn to fire, That'd be a great campfire, wouldn't it? And so they would look at that, and so the way this is, that's the way God would reveal, like, where his presence was. If they saw that the cloud was there and the fire was there, then that's where they were going to be, okay? You with me? You can learn more by Googling it or looking up in a commentary. Just study that, okay? Next verse. That's how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. So cloud by day, fire by night. Cloud by day, fire by night. That's how God was leading his people, okay? Where are we going to pitch the tents tonight, kids? Wherever the cloud stops, right? Wherever the fire stops, that's where we're going to be. Let's keep going. Verse 17. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. So that's verse again, first word, whenever. Whenever the cloud lifted. Everybody say Whenever. Here's your first point. We move when he moves. We move when he moves. That word whenever, it doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter why. There aren't, it's not time to question that and say, well, well, how come it's moving now? Whenever it moves, whenever the cloud moved, 
they started packing up. All that matters is, is the cloud moving? So let me just tell you what each of these challenges, okay? Make sure you write this on your sheet. This point, when he, we move, when he moves, this challenges our comfort. How many of you, I mean, let's just be real. It's been a long day, right? And isn't it nice just to settle into a comfortable chair? And as soon as you get good and settled in that chair, somebody needs something, right? And you're the one that has to get up and get it. Um, I have, and, and I'm not sure if Sydney's in here or not, or she's in Kansas City, but I have from time to time been known in my house to yell out from the comfortable chair, Sydney! She comes running, and what? Can you go get my phone? I'm just so comfortable here, right? Like, uh, or it's just me and you. Nobody else is ever like that. They're like, no, nah, I'm a responsible adult. I'll get up and get whatever. You bunch of liars. Can, I, can't, I can't quite reach the remote. Honey! My feet are so comfortable here, right? Like, we just, we, so this challenges our comfort. Because let's just be honest. We, we start to settle, don't we? We start to settle. And, then, and if you were an Israelite, you just got your tent just the way you want it. And then you look out and, oh, snap, the cloud is lifted. We move when he moves. This challenges our comfort because our first response is, I'm, I'm so comfortable here. I just got settled. I just got the kids to sleep. What do you mean the cloud's lifting? It doesn't matter when or why. It just matters that it lifted. And when he moves, we move. This challenges our comfort. And then the next word, whenever, for sure, whenever the cloud lifted. But then it's got the word wherever. Everybody say wherever. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. And this is number two. So we move when he moves, but we stop when he stops. You're like, these are not really deep points. I know, but they're really hard to live. We stop when he stops. Bless you. It's, it's bad enough to stay put when God moves. It's just as bad to continue moving when God stops. So wherever he stops, we stop. So if the first one challenges our comfort, then this has to challenge our trust. Can you just, can you imagine being an Israelite with small children? Why? 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 Well, we're pitching here. Why? Because the cloud stopped. Why? Because it's daytime and at night it's a fire. Why? Because God said, why? <sighs> Go to bed. Why? Eat some manna. Have we gotten to manna in the story yet? Why? I'm going to hit you. Why? Isn't it obvious? Why? <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> Can you imagine that? God, just, just, just drive that stake in the ground. Why? Because we have to stay here. Why? Ah, why am I your parent? It's crazy. Can you imagine that? Like, and then yet, but aren't we that way? Hey, guys, we got uh, two weeks left in this space. Why? Well, because God's moved so that we're moving. Why? Because we can't stay here. Why? Because God's moving. Where? Down the street. Why? I don't know. Shut up. Let's just go. 
We move when he moves. We stop when he stops. This challenges our trust. We have to trust that he knows where he's going. And I know if I took a poll right now and I said, okay, let's do it. It'll be fun. Maybe we'll get on video. I don't know. How many of you believe that God knows what he's doing? Raise your hand. Liar. I raised mine too. If it was that easy, none of us would ever question God. He really does know what he's doing. He really does know where he's going, and he doesn't need us to know why. He just needs us to go, right? Listen to this statement. Because when I thought about we move when he moves and we stop when he stops, do you know what matters most is, like, these people were poking their heads out of the tent going, is the cloud still there? Like, every day. So, okay, at night they're in their tents. It's like, I still see the glow of the fiery cloud. Okay, we're good, right? They're always watching that. And so there, there are seasons of waiting on him. There are seasons of walking with him. But what matters most in both of those seasons is watching him. I mean, we've got to be a people, a church, who's, we're always eyes on Jesus. Where is he moving? And, and when churches take their eyes off of that, you know what they become? They become those churches that do the same thing over and over again, and they can't remember why they started doing it in the first place. Why do we have that program? Well, we've always had that program. You have the program because there was a time in the church's life when Jesus was moving in that direction, and so you moved with him. But there was some time a long time ago in that church when Jesus went a different direction, and they were just like, I'm good here. We'll just keep doing this program over and over and over again, and nobody will ever come again because it's dead. But it's what we do. We're settlers. God doesn't want settlers. We move when he moves. We stop when he stops. A couple verses for you to jot down. Psalm 16, 8. Hebrews 12, 2. Psalm 16, 8 says this. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. Everybody say always. Always on the Lord. That's hard to do, right? It's hard to do. Most of us aren't, we're not always going to be able to do that. But he's always faithful, isn't he? To go, hey, whoa, whoa, focus. Look at me again. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him in my right hand. I will not be shaken. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? If we move when he moves and we stop when he stops, then our eyes have got to be glued on the cloud. We've got to be glued on Jesus. We've got to be following Jesus. So why, why make such a big deal about the cloud and the fire? Let's keep reading. Um, verse 18. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out. And at his command, they encamped. Some of you, if you're like me, if you grew up in church, you might struggle with that word command. At the Lord's command. Jump! And at his command, they encamped. Like, we've heard, man, that's been so overdone. People have taken authority and power and like, I command you. I command you to make me look good as a pastor. This is about, this is not about, like, duty and stuff. This is about a relationship. So why did they move when he moved? Why did they stop when he stopped? Was it because he was commanding them? No, it's because, number three, we want to be with him. We want to be with him. Why go through such a hassle to stop or move when God does? One simple reason. We want to be with him. 
So if moving challenges our comfort, stopping challenges our trust, then this has to challenge our motives. It's got to challenge our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because we want to be with him. Simple as that. We want to be with him. Think about this statement. Our response to his commands reveals the condition of our heart. Doesn't it? This sounds so good. I wish I'd have made it up, but I didn't. It came from John. Right? Three verses in John. John chapter 14, verses 15, verses 21, and verses 23 through 24. Where Jesus said in all those verses, basically this, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Because you want to be with me. I used to read that like, well, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And now I read it like, oh, I love him. I'll obey his commands. I, I want to be with him. Oh, look, come on, kids, quick, quick. Pack up the tent. The cloud's moving. Oh, I just started playing the Xbox. and I can't save it. But he's moving. We love him. Come on, let's go. You don't even have electricity yet. Let's go. The clown. Come on. Man, I want that again in my life. I want to be with him. And sometimes I think we find ourselves doing this like, come on, kids, let's go. He's moving. <sighs> Lift your hands and sing, I love you, Lord. You're such a jerk for making me move. And I lift my voice to tell you that I think it's true. Who wants to serve a God like that? Man, I want to be with him. I want to be with him. It wasn't because he was commanding. It wasn't because he was a jerk. Because he knew where he was going. He had a plan. And, and his presence was all that mattered to them. We've got to jump into number four, okay? Listen to the statement before we do it. Moving isn't a duty to do for Jesus. It's an opportunity to be with Jesus. I'll say it again because you should probably write that down. Because about a month from now, if you're on a setup or teardown team, you're going to be like, we got to do it again. Somebody just say it one more time. Moving isn't a duty to do for Jesus. It's an opportunity to be with Jesus. We move because he moves. We stop because he stops. Why? Because we want to be with him. And then here's number four. And, and I love this. This is I love this. His presence becomes our preference. Now, I have said this a couple times in the last few months. His presence over our preference, right? Like that's a value statement. You understand that, correct? Value statement. We value his presence over our preference. But what I love about this story is this is really where I want us to get. I don't want to have to value his presence over my preference. I want his presence to be my preference. 
This is all about relationship. You don't have to turn there. Just jot down John 15, verses 1 through 10, okay? Um, it's a great passage for you to go study. It's, it's a passage about, you know, John 15, 5 is that famous verse that says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. But John 15, 1 through 10, if you read that ver- those verses, 10 verses, 11 times you'll find the word remain. Remain, remain, remain. It's all about relationship. And so this challenges our passion. This challenges our passion. What do we really want? What are we really passionate about? His presence becomes our preference. You've probably heard people say this, um, well, I know, what it, I know what true love is. True love is, I could never live without you, baby. Don't look away. <laughs> that was so much fun. She won't talk to me for a week. Um, but that's not the definition of true love. That's Hollywood's definition. Here's the definition of true love. Write this down. I can live without you. But I don't want to. I can live without you, but I don't want to. Your presence is my preference. I've told the story a couple times. I won't take the time to do it today, but I drove one time like five and a half, six, seven hours to spend 15 minutes with Wendy. I did it because I was an idiot, but I mean, I just wanted to be with her, right? And you've done that too. You've, you've gone through, through hours and hours just to have a moment with somebody, Right? Especially when you're young. Like, uh, when you're young and in love, you do that kind of stuff, right? It's like, I just want to be with you. I know, dude, but you're in North Carolina. I'm in California. I don't care. I'm coming. I'm coming right now. I'm in the car. I'm driving. I'm cranking it up. I'm down the road. I'm only three days from you. Here I come, right? It's like crazy. And he, but you do it. I just want to be with you. Your presence is my preference. And, and that's, that's what the Israelites had heard. Um, Moses Moses, um, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Wait, I just missed Exodus, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I totally missed Exodus. For second book, Genesis, Exodus. Turn there real quick. Exodus chapter 33. I got to read this to you real quick, and then we're going to wrap up. I love this. Exodus chapter 33. Yep, 15 and 16. Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I want your presence more than anything else, right? And here's why. Look at verse 16. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? The presence of God. So a cool building, orange walls, Like, whatever we have in a building does not set us apart from all the other people on the face of the planet. What sets us apart is his presence. And I want that. His presence becomes our preference. So, settling is safe. Uh, Settling is comfortable. And settling requires no effort. No effort to settle. 
Okay, I brought visual proof. Let's just get those ready if we could. Um, this, is a, this is some snapshots of the shrubbery at my house. Wendy is so embarrassed. You see her face? She's like, dude. Okay, now this is my sidewalk in my driveway. And um, the big green thing up in the corner, that's a bush. The other big things in the corner, weeds. Okay, uh, can we do, I think I have a couple more. I'm sorry, Wendy. I'm so sorry. Um, the green things, weeds. Josh, I'm pumping your business right now, dude. You know I am. Um, these, okay, let me just make sure you can see this. The green things, weeds. The, the, um, the concrete things, the steps that used to look so good when they were um, highlighted and contrasted by the red crushed brick that is now covered by the so let me ask you this question real quick. Okay, I'll make sure you got them. I'll make sure you track with me, okay? How, many, how much effort, how many, how many hours did I work in my yard to produce this? None. It requires no effort to settle. And this is what you get. It's what you get. And, and, and you know what? Now, that picture... That's really bad. It's been there for a while. Go back to the other one. Just, that, just go back one if you can, that one. I know it's hard to see it, but can you make out the pine straw that I put down a month ago? A month ago. Weeds grow fast, dude. Like, seriously, I didn't even give them fertilizer. They just grew. It rained, and I walked out and went, wow, green stuff. I can't get my grass to be green, but that's green. No effort. No effort. It requires no energy to settle. And that's exactly what Satan wants for you. He wants you to settle. I heard a, a man say this a long time ago. I've never forgotten it. What are the first two letters of the word God? What are the first three letters of the word Satan? Yeah, exactly. He wants you to settle. God wants you to move. It's his recipe to make sure that we don't settle. And, and just in closing, um, can you go send word down that way? Thanks. Um, in closing, let me say this. When Wendy and I were in Boston, I had an experience um, on the subway. We got on the subway. It was like maybe our last day there, second to last day there. So we've been riding the subway for a while. I'm really good at subway, by the way. If you go in a city with me, if we're underground, I can get you anywhere you want to go. Above ground, you're dead. So it's not going to happen. But down, uh, down there in the subway system, I can read the maps. I know where we're going. And I'm really comfortable in subways, okay? So we get on the subway train. And um, for the most, most part during the week, it had all been kind of, you know, just chill, not real crowded. Everybody's got, you know, their earbuds in. They're just kind of doing the head thing and just staring straight ahead. But this day we got on, and, and it took us a while. I can't remember. We, it took us a while to catch the right train. We were in a hurry. We had to get, I think we we're maybe going back to the airport. We're just, it was crazy. And we were, in, we were, time was of the essence. And we get on, on the subway, and I grabbed the pole which reminds me of a whole other story I can't tell you now. I have to come back some other time I'll tell you. But I grabbed the pole, and, and, sit, and Wendy's sitting right here, and people just came on. And I don't know if, you, if any of you struggle with claustrophobia, but I, I kind of can get a little, I can have panic attacks every now and then, like really freak out attacks. Um, 
I shouldn't just say that and move on, but I have to move on. So just, I'm just being real, right? Pray for me. Anyway, so I'm on the sub, and, like, it just got full. And it mostly got full of people that didn't look like me. And they weren't handsome at all. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They were like, um, they were like you know, like, like Middle Eastern descent, you know? And so um, I'm holding the, the pole, and we're moving along, and I'm getting really panicky. Because all I can think is, I got to get off this train. I got to get off this train. I got to get off this train. Because one of these, somebody's going to stand up, and they're going to hold their hand up, and they're going to yell out, Allah Akbar. Is that right? Did I get it right? I, I've never, I've watched, I've watched to do with the puppet thing so much. I don't know what I'm supposed to say there. Anyway, <laughs> he's funny too. Anyway, Allah Akbar. And I just, I knew, I just felt like this, this subway's going to get blown up. And I've got to get off. I've got to get off. I've got to get off. And so I'm kind of processing in my head like, oh, mighty man of power, how do I turn to my wife and say we have to get off the train now? Because we're going to die. And, and we didn't get off the train. And eventually everybody else did. And we got to where we were going. And the rest of the day went on and fine, whatever. But here's what, here's what God really said to me, okay? There's a verse in Philippians that says this. For me, Paul writes this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And here's what I want you to understand. I'm being so transparent with you today. On a subway in Boston, I had no doubt that if I died, I would be with Jesus, but I didn't want to die. And that's jacked up. Not that we should walk around going, I hope I can die today. I didn't want to die and be with Jesus. Because I the temptation is to settle here. Well, this is my home. I want to settle here. And like you, you gotta get this, okay? Process it, all that, talk about it in your community groups. We should treat this life like we treat vacation. Enjoy it while you're here, but it ain't your home. You're gonna go home from here. And if that had been the day that I went home from here, I'd like to be okay with being with Jesus like that. Man, the temptation to settle is everywhere. And I'm asking you as a church to fight it. Fight the temptation to get off the train because it seems to be safer. And man, go on a ride with Jesus. And let's let him take us where he wants to take us. When, when he moves, we move. When he stops, we stop. Why? Because we want to be with him. Why? Because his presence is our preference. And moving keeps us from settling. It's how he keeps us from stagnating and stinking. And as a church, I know this is horrible to think about the verses next to you. As a church, he's trying to keep us from looking like that plate of meat I showed you at the beginning. And you know how he does that? Let's go down the street, and then we'll go down the street. And when we get there, he'll find ways to kick us out again because he doesn't want us to sit still. Moving keeps us from settling. And I want us to value his presence more than anything else. 